Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Good morning, can you hear me? I've stuffed the speaker down the back of my pants. So if you notice me wriggling, um, that will be why. It is so lovely to be here. It also is intensely nerve-wracking. So talk about raising my stress. Um, I do not assume to speak on behalf of or for God about the issue of mental health and suffering. So let me just put that out there. In um, 2001, I was sitting in the back of a room of 120 women, and there was a visiting, it was a church camp, and there was a visiting um, guest speaker from Australia by the name of Vicky DeRazio, if any of you know her. And I was sitting right at the back of the church, and Vicky pointed to the back of the church and said, Come up here. I was like, Oh, heck, what's happening? And I came up to the front of the church, and I was working. Uh, I don't know what, I might have been doing commercial cleaning at the time, actually, but just dabbling, um, visiting people in hospital and kind of helping out as a bit of a care pastor in our church. So I came up the front, and is this annoying there? Um, and Vicky put her hand on me and said, you have a spirit of counsel on your life. And I was like, what the heck? What does that even mean? All I knew was that I loved being with people who were vulnerable and in pain. The more vulnerable and the more in pain, the more comfortable I was. And so I prayed about that and thought about that. What is a spirit of counsel? That led me to go to the Bible College of New Zealand and train as a counsellor. And 20 years later, I have had the privilege of working with many, many people who are experiencing challenges with their mental health. Um, And it really has been a privilege. When I say those words, mental health, I wonder what comes to mind for you. So I just want to invite you to turn to one or two people around you and just have a little chat, just for a minute. What do you think of when you hear those words, mental health? Just another 20 seconds. I don't want to let you go too far. Okay. So very possibly, your conversation may have gone somewhere towards depression, towards anxiety, toward other diagnosable disorders. Am I hitting the mark? You wouldn't be wrong. But what we neglect to think about often when we talk about mental health is that we all have mental health. 
Just like we all have a physical health that needs to be cared for, we also all have a mental health that needs to be cared for. Or we end up with mental ill health. I wonder if, oh, hey, if you build it, it will come. They will come. Um, what I'd like to do is just show you um, a bit of a continuum here. Oh. The back ones might need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa, could we have the first button, please? Uh, oh, hey, yay, yay. Can we have that back? <laughs> Where's my dear friend Shannon gone? He's elsewhere. Oh. Okay, hit us with it. Okay, you're going to see... Okay, so what I'd like you to look at is our slide that goes from no, no or minimal mental ill health across to severe or persistent. You with me? Okay, so let's look at that continuum. We have a continuum where you might have no or very little symptoms of mental illness. You might worry or you might struggle with some mood at times. No diagnosis, no anxiety diagnosis, no depression diagnosis, you would be down this end of our continuum. You may have persistent and difficult symptoms. You may be hypervigilant, you may have flashbacks, you may have really difficult mood, you have a, might have a mood disorder, and you might have a diagnosis. The benefit of that might be that you have treatment, that you get funding, that you have a psychologist or a counsellor, and that you are in treatment with support if you're up this end. And you could be anywhere along that continuum, and you could move backwards and forwards along that continuum. Now we have another continuum where we move from flourishing in our well-being, which means I am really satisfied with how I'm functioning, how I'm engaging in my relationships, I'm involved in hobbies, I've got really good work-life balance, I'm able to engage in my life the way that I want to, or I'm languishing. I'm actually not able to do the things that I want to do in the ways that I want to do them. And again, we can go up and down. It could be that I had some really grotty sleep for the last few weeks. I might have a newborn in the house. That is not going to put me at the top of flourishing. Or maybe I'm grieving. Maybe I've had a loss. Maybe I'm going through some really hard stuff in my workplace or I've got some financial burden going on. That is really going to impact whether I'm flourishing or languishing. Now that gives us a matrix, are you with me? So we can have little or no mental illness, mental ill health, and we can be flourishing, absolutely doing fantastic, all is well. Or we can have a mental health diagnosis and we can be flourishing. Absolutely, you can be doing well. You can have a mental health diagnosis and you can be languishing. You don't have the support that you need. You're not engaged in hobbies. You haven't been resting. You haven't had the relaxation. You haven't had the chill out time that you need. 
Something bad happens and you are languishing. But I want you to notice this. You can have no mental illness and you can be languishing. You can be struggling with your mental health without any mental illness diagnosis. And it's very common in our society for us to say, well, I don't have a diagnosis. I'm not engaged in mental health services. Therefore, mental health doesn't matter to me. Or doesn't concern, it's, you know, this doesn't uh, refer to me. And what I have experienced in 20 years of doing this work is that this is really hard to talk about in church. I just want you to think for a minute, I'm not going to ask you to turn to the person next to you, but I just want you to think for a minute, where are you? Where are you today in our matrix? And have you had moments where you've been, times in your life where you've been somewhere else? Where were you during COVID? Where were you after a few months of lockdown? Someone told me the other day we had 188 days where we only had two days without rain. I can tell you that that put me in languishing. I struggle when I can't get out into blue sky. My mood starts to be impacted. I am not flourishing if I have not been in the sun, if I have not been in the bush. I want to invite you to talk to the person again next to you. Because like I said, in my experience, I have heard from the people I've worked with that it's easier to come into church and talk about a broken arm. Or it's easier to come into church and talk about a cancer diagnosis than it is to come into church and talk about being at the bottom of this matrix. And so I just want to ask you to talk to the person next to you about what is your experience of how open the church is to discussing issues of mental health. Just for a minute, what is your experience of discussing mental health with one another? Not your personal experience necessarily, but the church in general. Another 30 seconds. Okay. So we could go on, eh? Your conversations might have raised the notion of stigma 
Historically and globally, we have had massive stigma around issues of mental health. And we could talk about why. One key reason is funding. We have not understood what we don't, we fear what we don't understand. And we've typically put our money into physical health and not into mental health. And because of that, we have not understood it. I think there's many reasons in the church that are beyond my scope to discuss around why we have feared mental health. One of the gifts of COVID is that it's become more okay to not be okay. We are more comfortable with vulnerability than we have ever been before. Um, we're increasingly becoming aware that if we don't care for our mental health, that that's leading us to a bad place. And, you know, in the 24-hour everythingness of our lives, I, I did my thesis in maintaining balance um, when our workers are calling. And one of the things I looked at was how the world exists on a global scale. You can go shopping at 2 o'clock in the morning if you want to. We take our phones, our computers, our work home with us. I'm getting texts and emails as I stand here and talk to you through my watch. How mad is that? You know, like if we don't slow ourselves down, we are going to be languishing because we're just crazy busy all the time. Jesus in Mark 30 sets an example here. The disciples have got a new job. Taking a little bit of a leap here, but the disciples have got a new job. They're excited. There's people coming to them all the time. They are so busy. They haven't even stopped to eat. And Jesus says to them, Hey, come away with me. We need to rest. We need to eat. Like he cautions, if you don't come away with me, recharge your batteries with me, eat and take care of your practical need to rest, this is not going to be good. You know, like we think that we can just keep doing things at breakneck speed and it not have an impact on our mental health. Uh, no, we can't. Uh, since COVID, anxiety is one of the most mental, is the most common mental health experience being had. One in five over the age of 15 are being diagnosed. Children are being di diagnosed with anxiety and prescribed medication more than ever before. I asked Google, I said to Gary, that's the other Bible. I asked Google, how many times is anxiety and depression spoken about in the Bible? Anxiety is mentioned so many times. Actually, there's at least 365 references in the Bible to anxiety or fear not. One for every day. How good is that? And did you know that God called the Holy Spirit a counsellor? How forward thinking was that? Like, he knew, right, that we were going to struggle with this stuff. Wait lists for mental health have risen exponentially since COVID. We're talking about this issue more than we ever have before. Partly... That's because of COVID. That's because of cyclones. That's because of floods. That's because of a, costing, a cost of living crisis. You know, that's because the world has gotten a harder place to live in. Didn't Jesus tell us, in this world you will have trouble? 
that has put an increased pressure on our mental health. It's gotten harder to live in this world without stress. But in my experience, the, the suffering that comes with mental health for Christians is not the mental health. It's somehow the fact that we think we ought not to experience this. It's that somehow there is a judgment and a stigma that we are getting it wrong, that somehow it's a lack of faith, that somehow we are just not quite believing enough, or we somehow just not quite a good enough Christian. That, and you know, I loved what was being said about the keys here, that somehow if we don't trust God for our mental health, that somehow we have got it wrong, that going to a counsellor or going to a psychologist is not quite the right way to do it. And my experience of sitting with people is that that adds to the suffering. The sense of stigma adds to isolation, adds to shame, causes people to withdraw from God as much as from each other which cuts us off from the very comfort and the very rest that God wants to offer us. When we are here, the more that we're down the bottom, the more that we move towards being unwell, the more, I think it was you too that talked about, we are safety-seeking people. The more unwell we become, the more that we ruminate, the more we have distressing thoughts, the more that we have troubling emotion, the more that we become threat-focused, and the more that we cannot rely on our emotion, the more that we start to withdraw and isolate, we become a self-fulfilling algorithm. Our thoughts are, I'm not worthy, I am unlovable, we become self-judging. And often it's that thinking that then says, God won't love me in this space. God doesn't want me in this space. And it's increased by the stigma of not being spoken about. Shannon said, um, we need to be a people who tell stories and who communicate. If we communicate about this stuff, we make it easier for those who are feeling like this to be able to open up about it. I have moments where I really struggle with self-doubt and self-inadequacy. And when those thoughts start in my mind, I know one of the things I can struggle with is, can I go to God with this? And it is tiring. There are some verses, 365, did you know? There are some verses that I think are really helpful. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come to me... All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Jesus is right there. Not, I will heal you, because we don't always get healing when we're in that place, but I will give you rest. This is a tiring place to be. He is right there. I find that so comforting. 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, go ahead, Peter says, go ahead, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for us when we're in this space. We are able and allowed and invited to cast our anxieties. 
Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those that are crushed in spirit. There's some themes here. God is right here with us when we're hurting. We only need to talk to him. We can't trust our feelings in this place. Even though we feel isolated, we are not. Even though we feel unworthy, we are not. We cannot trust our feelings. We have to believe what God says in this place. And sometimes it's worth having those verses written down. There's a therapeutic technique called check the facts. The facts are the Bible. And sometimes what you've got to do, I think, is have those verses written down so that when you're feeling unworthy, feeling unlovable, feeling like God won't accept you, have the verses written down so that you can, you know, like have the one you need on your fridge beside your bed so you can read it. Check the facts. What does God say? I can go ahead, cast my anxieties because he cares for me. Have it written there so that you can check the facts into your rational brain because your limbic system will tell you something otherwise. When we cast our anxieties on him, we are focusing our thoughts on him. In this place, we tend to go around and around and around on the thoughts in our own minds. But focusing our thoughts on him is a really good distraction technique. It focuses our thoughts outside of our own minds, which is a much calmer place sometimes. When in here is unsettled, sometimes we need to move our thoughts out here. And what better place than to cast our mind on Jesus? And he says, cast your anxieties. I understand that is write them down if you need to. Get them out of your mind. But you, you could do that in a prayer letter. But focus outside of you. Focus on a place that is sure and, and true and stable so that you've got a place to be centred with your thoughts rather than all over the place. And the other thing you're doing there is surrendering your control. When we are anxious and we are distressed in our thoughts, we often want to have control. We often do a lot of what if, what if, what if, which is a way of trying to get control. Actually, when we cast our anxieties onto Jesus, we are giving him control. In that moment, we're saying, I'll give this to you, and we may need to keep doing that. We may need to keep doing that every five minutes until our thoughts start to settle. So just keep casting, keep casting if that's what you need to do. Let your action be the casting. That's what you focus on. And then you're not worried about the what if, what if in the future. That's just a way of trying to get control. One of the things that I've heard is the most helpful is if people can talk and can have support from friends and family. Of course, a therapist and psychologist is, or psychologist is really helpful. But I want to ask you for a minute, if Jesus was in your cell group, home group, what do you think he would offer? I've thought about that and I wondered if one of the things we might say was love. You know, this is the command, a new commandment I give you to love one another as I have loved you. And I wonder what would Jesus' love look like if we're distressed 
with our thoughts or we have someone in the family who's distressed, someone in the church who's distressed, what would Jesus' love look like? You may know that there was Elijah in the Bible who was struggling with his mental health. There had been some things going on for Elijah. He was really fearful, and often fear is something that will either create mental health for us or is a byproduct of. Elijah was so struggling, he was actually depressed to the point of wanting to take his life. He sat down and said, I don't want to live anymore. God sent him an angel. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't tell him off for saying those things. He didn't say, where's your faith? He didn't give him a solution. What he said was, oh, he sent him an angel. And the angel tended to his practical needs. The angel made sure that he rested. The angel made sure that he ate. The angel made sure that he slept. And often when somebody that we're alongside is struggling with distressing thoughts, with distressing emotion, they're not sleeping. Often they're not eating. Often they haven't rested. Often they don't feel safe enough to do those things. And if we can come alongside, if we can say really gently, have you rested? Have you eaten? Those practical things. And the question we would ask is not what's going on, not what's the matter with you, but what's happened to you? Because there will often be a what's happened story if the person feels safe enough with us to tell us that. We want to understand what's happened. It says in Proverbs 12.25, anxiety weighs down a heart, but a kind word cheers it up. A kind word. The world would offer us judgment and, and stigma. This creates self-judgment, says I'm not good enough, I'm not getting it right, the rest of the world is doing better than me. A kind word. Inclusion. Support, encouragement. Somebody who feels like they need to isolate and needs to withdraw, check on them. If you haven't seen somebody for a while, reach out. Ask them how they're doing. A kind word goes a very long way in a busy, busy, busy world. I think one of the most helpful things that we can do is we can be talking about it in the church. If we are going to help reduce the stigma that makes the suffering of mental health so much more intense, then we need to create a safe place where we can be talking about it. Where we can say, you are as welcome to come in here and talk about your broken arm, your mental health concern, as you are to talk about your broken arm. You're as welcome to come in here and tell us you've been diagnosed with depression or bipolar or anxiety or whatever as you are to come in and tell us about your cancer or your sore knee. And when we do that, we can pray for each other. We don't say to somebody with a sore arm, uh, have you, you know, have you, how's your faith? 
We just know that that's part of life. One of the things when I'm in that place is it's really lovely to have somebody pray for me. And so I just want to offer as we finish this morning, if you would like someone to pray for you, we would love to do that. We want this to be a place where you feel welcome and safe to come forward, Gary, the elders, whoever it is that you would like to have pray for you this morning, please do that. Um, please know that this is the beginning of a conversation. You, you guys are obviously already well into it. Um, and I hope there's something that you've heard that's been helpful. Hand back to you. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.